1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times weekly Facebook live show and podcast covering the high school sports scene here on Cape Cod. I'm Matt Goisman alongside Steve Dredarian. It's the football playoffs. They're here, and Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of playoff teams. We have 10 of the 13 Cape and Islands football teams are about to start their postseason, and there are a lot of big games to talk about. I feel like
0: absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you get to tournament time, obviously uh, ramps up the excitement. You know, there's no as a lot of coaches will say, there's no bad teams left. At no, no. least in theory. I mean, that's what they tell their teams just to make sure that they're focused and ready. But in, in a way, that rings true. That you know, if you make the postseason, you got a lot of talent, and anybody, it's really anybody's game at this point. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have two number one seeds out of the eight uh, South sectional divisions. We have. Falmouth is the number one seed in D5. Uh, They're 6-0, and they're about to uh, host uh, number 8 Foxborough on Friday. And then over in Division 7, obviously we have Mashpee, the number one seed. They've won 27 consecutive games. Uh, Their first round game is against Archbishop Williams, also on Friday at 7. Uh, And we've got the only other home game uh, for the first week is Upper Cape, which because they beat Old Colony and secured that Mayflower Division title, they get to host Old Colony for the second time in two weeks on mm-hmm. Saturday in the um, D8 South playoffs.
0: Yeah. I mean, I good backing up a little bit, you yeah. know, if, <clears throat> if you think at the start of the season, it really is almost, maybe if we, if we'd have to go back and look, if we thought either of these teams found with a match, we undefeated given the schedule that they had to play. Mm-hmm. It almost is a bit of a surprise for both. And it's hard to say which one's more of, but certainly they earned it. And certainly they've had enough talent to, to really earn these positions. And, and we, we talk about football playoffs, how big home field advantage is, oh, not yeah. having to get on the bus and head to a place that you likely haven't been before and you're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. I think both these teams playing at home, geez, Mashpee has not lost at home in, since like 2015. Oh, pretty so, much. <laughs> um, it's definitely a tough place to play. And I and I think both of these teams have a really good shot of uh, getting back to Gillette.
1: I think so too. I mean, Mashpee, I think we would have both agreed at the start of the season, was more likely to wind up winning the South, even with the strength of their schedule. And they did play a, a tough schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. they played Abington, which is in the playoffs. Uh, they've got uh, Bourne in, in this week, I think. Cohasset, which is in the playoffs. They played Coyle Cassidy, which uh, is in the playoffs. They played South Hadley, which the sectionals for the West weren't released last n- uh, night, but they're 5-2, and two and they were they very— should,
0: They'll get in. They'll get in.
1: So <laughs> they played— I mean, their power rating, which is kind of how all this works, is you get points based on who you play and who they play. It's a whole strength of schedule thing. It's the best in at least the North and the South. I mean, it's maybe Mm -hmm. Treviri thinks it's the highest power rating in the state, which suggests they played the toughest schedule in the state. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they definitely played a really challenging schedule.
0: Well, and he said at the beginning of the year no one really wanted to schedule them because when you play in a lower division, sometimes... The problem with that is nobody higher than you wants to play because they don't in that power rating system, they don't get a lot out of it. Exactly. Even if their football team otherwise would have a good football game with them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't fix that now. But anyway, looking at the matchup, you know, Falmouth versus Foxborough, you mm-hmm. know, we saw Falmouth this past weekend. Probably look as maybe – I don't want – vulnerable maybe is too strong of a word, but definitely as challenged as they were since week one. Sure. You know, going up against um, Nasa, which I said last week, is a very tough squad. Yeah, I think – they I underplayed them.
1: A, you, you were – a little more accurate I think in, in giving them credit because they did battle Falmouth and when I was talking to Derek Almeida last night, he was definitely impressed with Nasset. He thought they were a very strong team.
0: There's certainly an improvement on, on past season. We'll talk oh, a little yeah. bit about Nasset later getting in the postseason, but I mean I don't I don't think in this game there's any stopping quarterback Kyle Connolly, you know, nine rushing touchdowns this year in addition to six passing touchdowns. Yep. Um, and I don't think Foxborough will be able to spoil this perfect season in the first round. Um. the The thing, the question mark is. I'm not sure if Jake Murphy will be playing. I know he missed a Hanover game, and mm-hmm. I know at fullback he's been really solid this year. But um, either way, I think the Clippers should be able to put up enough points in this game. Where even if Foxborough's offense is clicking and they have some good offensive talent, I don't think they'll be able to keep up um, points wise.
1: Yeah, and even if they don't have Kyle, uh, if they don't have Jake Murphy, who has been very important for their offense. They still have guys like Trevor Noons. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Aiden Washington. They have other guys they can go to to move the ball on the ground so that teams don't just focus on Connolly. That's the benefit of the triple option that they run mm-hmm. is that it's a very involved, multifaceted uh, offense that takes a little while to get in rhythm. But obviously, Almeida has used it since he got there. So, Everyone's pretty comfortable with it at this point.
0: But yeah, I mentioned Foxborough. You know, their quarterback Liam Foley's a senior, very experienced, mm-hmm. and um, he's got a good uh, running back in Mike Luong. And but the problem is their receivers have been a little bit of a you know, receiver by committee, right? And I think that reads right into guys like Cardoza rushing the passer and yep. um, and and Nunes to be able to create turnovers and downfield, and, absolutely know, switch the field.
1: Much <clears throat> yeah, Nunes' ability to just run to undercut runs, to read the ball, and just. Sprint past the receiver uh, who's kind of just stopped and waiting for it is really impressive. I mean, he gets right. he comes out of nowhere to get his picks.
0: Right. So the winner of that game will get number four Canton or number five Hanover,
1: which and, Falmouth just beat two weeks right. ago. So.
0: um And also in D five, can't forget about Dy, yeah, which the is defending very state champions. Very interesting about first round matchup here. You have number six Dy versus number three Situate. Situate at six and one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, by the way, the Falmouth Foxborough game seven p.m. Friday. Yep, at Fuller <laughs> Field. I, I, Pretty much all these games, unless we say otherwise, are 7 p.m. Friday. Yeah. I'll say that up front. But anyway, this is a rematch of last year's Division Five sectional title match. Mm-hmm. I was at that game last year, absolutely freezing. But
1: I was at the Mashby Abington game. Yeah. Game that was horrible. <laughs> but
0: uh, certainly a lot to remember from that Situate team. Their quarterback, Aiden Sullivan, threw five touchdown passes. The mm-hmm. Situate gave D.Y., I think it's I'm pretty sure it was its closest game all season. Yeah. It came right down. It was a four-quarter battle the whole way, and really the only uh, – Real big roadblock for Dy, but obviously the tables are a little flipped this year with Situate you know, being the home team and certainly a little revenge on their minds after last year's game.
1: Yeah, and Situate is very dangerous as a three seed. I've been reading, you know, power rankings by some of the other papers in the area. A lot of Eastern Massachusetts papers think Situate is maybe even better than Falmouth. You know, in power mm-hmm. rankings they have them higher, even if Falmouth's power rating put them in right. first place. You know, with Dy. Obviously, it's Peyton Doyle in the offense. So far, no one has really been able to cover Jeffrey J. Meal, and and Michael Gurney has also been really productive. Mm -hmm. The difference with D.Y. this whole season has been their running game is not as broad and balanced between QB and running back as it was last year. If Darian Thompson or Jaquan Phillips can get it going on the ground and the teams don't just key on Doyle, Dolphins really have a chance. But if it becomes kind of a one-man show situate it's going to figure out a way to stop that, I think.
0: Well, I would be so worried about D.Y.'s offense as much as the defense because I think that's actually been at Achilles heel mm-hmm. more so this season, sure. especially on road games this year. I don't know if there's really any correlation there. But, I mean, even when you look at last week against Sandwich giving up 19 points was a little bit right. of a, I don't want to say head-scratcher, but, you know. And, and I obviously understand D.Y. was up in that game. There might have been some, you know, second-tier players in there. But at the same time, you know, you look at losses to Marshfield, mm-hmm. and you look at, you know, giving up 40 plus points yeah. to, Fal- to Falmouth. I mean, the defense has struggled at times and they really have to stop Sullivan because he slung it last year, even in the freezing temperatures. He threw five touchdown passes and he, he threw five last week against East Bridgewater. So certainly a very talented passing attack and they can run the ball. Yeah. Um, their running back. Will, uh, Ch- Chesky? Chesky. Yeah. yeah, 23 carries for 142 yards. So they can grind you out too. And, if they don't find a way to, to, to turn the ball over here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's going to be a long night, I think, for the Dolphins.
1: And D.Y.'s got to avoid turnovers, too. That was one of the reasons they lost to Marshfield was they gave the ball away way more often than they need they should have. Uh, and then the
0: last drive, obviously, the Hail Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like the Patriots, except they did convert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the winner of that game uh, would get Holliston versus Somerset Berkeley. Holliston's a very talented team. I believe the number two seed, so... Mm-hmm. Um, tough matchup for, for either of those teams, Absolutely. Uh, depending on who goes through.
1: So we'll uh, jump back to D7 because that's one of the larger divisions in terms of uh, Cape and, uh, involvement. So first up, as we said, we got P at number one versus Archbishop Williams. They're three and four. Uh, they're the eighth seed. Like we said, Friday at 7 p.m., pretty much all of these are. So, you know, P is on a 27-game winning streak. They beat St. Mary's on a game that was very, very tough and required – them to hold firm. I, you know, they took the lead, I, I think, for good early in the fourth quarter or late in the third, but St. Mary's fought until the end, and Mashby had to defend a pass on, on fourth down. So, mm-hmm. you know, they are now about to face a team that's also beaten St. Mary's. So, Archbishop Williams clearly is a good team. Their one Mashby saw last year. We'll see if Devon Ford just continues to do what he's done yeah. pretty much his whole career.
0: When I was preparing for the show last night, I'm thinking, well, all right, there's no way our spaceship knocked off their run. But then I said, you know, wait a second. This actually might be a harder game than it looks, you know, mm-hmm. just on paper. You know, we think one versus eight's a layup, as we've seen Mashby do before. But I don't think that's the case. As you just said, this is a team that beat St. Mary's, and Mashby, you know, had to, you know, go down pretty much the final play. Mm-hmm. But well, I was impressed with Devon Ford, who once again, in these big games, we saw it against Abington and we saw it again. He just he steps up in the big situations. Yeah. He's not just a playmaker in these you know runaway blowout games.
1: No, when he needs when the team needs to ride him, he can he does that. I mean, right. he did that against Abington in that same frozen right. weather in the South Sectionals last year. And
0: it, exactly, these two teams actually played each other last year in, mm-hmm. the, in the sectional semifinals, I believe. And it yep. was a twenty-two to six final. I mean, it was it was really close. And Mashby only scored twice on offense. Yep. I think Jake Johnson had a pick six for the other score. Um and, and again, I just mentioned St. Mary's. So their quarterback, Neil Sanders, he hasn't completed a lot of passes, but he has a really good receiver in Colton Casper, mm-hmm. who can make plays. And we've seen Mashby's defense give up chunk plays, big plays yeah. at times. And that Abington game and that St. Mary's. And as I said in the top of the show, look, all these teams have talent. And all these teams can have big play guys. So I, I think Mashby needs to limit turnovers, and if they can do that, mm-hmm. and and avoid giving up big plays, obviously on defense. Right. I think that'll. Assure that they get through to the next round.
1: I think so too. I, one guy, a couple of guys who played really well against St. Mary. So Cam Kurgo had ten tackles. He's a defensive back. Nick Bartolome, who kind of came out of nowhere a little bit this year. He was not one of the big defensive leaders last year, but this year, another ten tackles. Each of those guys had a tackle for negative yardage. So they're good at. Shooting through gaps, making stops, or in the case of defensive backs, a lot of times a a tackle for loss comes when you tackle the receiver on a screen pass behind the line. So if they can do that, if they can bottle up receivers like Casper, they should be able to keep uh, this offense in check. And it's also possible that Ford will just grind them out, and they won't have more than five or six offensive drives. And you mentioned
0: the defensive side; Ford's a ball hawking safety too, so it's going to be hard to beat them over the top. Absolutely. So. Um, I mean, I think if Mashpee loses this game, it's because they beat themselves, I think. I but think so don't count out Archbishop Williams because they can play, too. No,
1: you don't want to count on anybody, but I think Mashpee will be favored in this game. Yeah, and absolutely. I would probably pick them to win by two touchdowns mm-hmm. again.
0: So the winner of that game will get Southeastern versus GoHassett. Just had a note here. So Southeastern, um, they play kind of a, a lot of these tech schools. Obviously, they're mm-hmm. a Oak school themselves and even lost to Upper Cape. But the reason they got a home game as the number four seed is because they won their league. So. Yeah. Um, it sometimes the power rankings takes that into effect, too, where, you know, some of these teams could be better for like a Nantucket, for example, mm-hmm. which beat Southeastern in the in the regular season finale, but has a lower seed. Yeah. So um, just in case anybody was looking at the rankings and curious why that happened, that's why. And speaking of Nantucket, they're at number three case at 7 p.m. Friday, um, and I think, you know, I said, if they, if there's a most improved, I think that goes from week one. I think Nantuck is, yeah. if they don't win, they're certainly in the running for it, because running off, rambling off five straight wins, mm-hmm. after losing two of their premier running backs in the beginning of the season, they've got, you know, one of them back. Yeah,
1: Devontae Usher coming back <laughs> turned the season around for the Whalers without a doubt. Right,
0: and, you know, Gambroni and Usher continue to run wild, um, mm-hmm. Victor Gambroni, that is, and... Yep. Um, Cam Bartlett, on Kicks, and Malik Bowden, credit to him stepping in under center and not only playing the quarterback well, but really making plays on defense as well.
1: It's cool that the Cape has a few pretty good place kickers this year. We got Mm -hmm. Cam Bartlett, we got Robbie Wright for Nossett. Jonathan Silva has become a pretty accurate kicker himself. Um, So, But yeah, I I mean, with this game, Nantucket at Case, Nantucket is a very dangerous sixth seed. I think if Usher had stayed healthy, they probably would have won at least one of the two games they lost uh, and maybe would have been even higher. The The challenge with Case is Case's defense is very good. They got, Yeah, Old Rochester dropped 40 on them in the South Coast Championship uh, mm-hmm. last week. But otherwise, through Case's first six games, they've only given up more than two touchdowns once. Mm-hmm. So the question is, can Nantucket Put up points against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think they, I think Nantucket can because they have playmakers, and I think a lot of the teams' case Mm play, they might have one or two, but they can shut those down. I think Nantucket comes at you with a lot of different ways of attack. Oh yeah. I honestly could see this game being a you know a a forty-eight to forty-two slugfest or something like that, but certainly depending on conditions, it could also end up being you know a simple you know twenty-one to fourteen final. I mean, you never really it's hard to kind of predict those things. But Case's offense, I mean, they put up 56 points against Seaconk earlier this season, right. certainly can score in bunches. Their quarterback, Danny Silver, is very talented, mm-hmm. kind of put on a show against Bourne earlier in the season. And uh, Chris Costa, a really good running back, too, can, can gain a lot of yards. So, um,
1: And we could conceivably uh, have a, a rematch of that Case-Bourne game because the winner of that game gets either number 7 Bourne or number 2 Abington, mm-hmm. who face off Friday at 7.
0: Yeah, and, and speaking of which, that's a really tough draw. You know, number yeah. seven, born at Abington. Abington, obviously.
1: Extremely good.
0: A well-deserved number two seed because they could have just as easily been the number one seed, yeah. given how well they played Mashby earlier in the year.
1: That was um, a one-point game, that match Exactly. I mean, that's that, literally game. all
0: that separates yeah. <laughs> the one from the two seed in home field advantage throughout. Um On the Bourne side, you know, defense, we praised them a lot in the beginning of the season. They haven't looked as strong yeah. in, in the last few weeks, and granted, they've played some some pretty talented teams giving up 42 to a trail 35-7 early in that game mm-hmm. you know that can't happen against abington and running back will klein because if you get behind early even with james coon who's been outstanding at quarterback this mm-hmm. year i don't think Bourne has enough weapons to again keep up with the same amount of points that abington can put on the board
1: i agree and i i question how well that defense is going to hold up against klein mm-hmm. who i think we would both say Mashby's defense is stronger than Bourne's and Klein had his way with the Mashby defense right. quite on quite a few plays. And, and
0: Bourne's got a couple of big guys up front on that defensive line. So I'm not saying it's impossible, right. you know, but if they get to them, if they get free open hits on them, they got to try to jar that ball loose because mm-hmm. again, turnovers for underdogs can completely swing a game and get that extra score and, and put teams back on their heels, which otherwise thought they were going to run away with this game. So Absolutely. Um, you see that almost every year, but uh Certainly, Abington comes out with a lot of weapons, too. Gabe Spryce, great on, great on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Christian Labossier is really good passer as well. can also, I think, run pretty good runner outside the pocket as well. I uh, just throw it away from Spencer Rose, who yeah. once again came down with another interception. I was trying to figure out last night how many consecutive weeks he's had interceptions. It's almost one per game, though, at this rate. Uh, more or
1: less, yeah, and a couple have turned into a touchdown. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, Cahoon and Spencer Rose, that's kind of where the points have come from, whether it's on offense or defense this year for Bourne. Right. Uh, but this is easily the, the biggest challenge uh, that they're going to face. I mean, Abington is Abington is better than Case, right. I think. Still
0: a great turnaround either way, no matter how this goes for Bourne. Yeah, this is
1: their first time in the playoffs since the, this, pro, this sectional thing was created in 2013.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, let me see. Let's go. Want to go back to the top here? Let's go to Division Two. Sure. Let's go to Division Two. Talk about Barnstable. You know, Old they,
1: Colony League champion Red Raiders.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know, Barnstable. They did. They did make the postseason last year, and it mm-hmm. was a tough draw at the number eight. But that ever since that postseason game last year, where they lost to eventual state camp- champion King Philip by two touchdowns, and yes. actually opened the eyes of a lot of teams throughout the state. Yeah, that
1: game was at least close at halftime, and then maybe right. But.
0: That was I think a defining game for the Red Raiders because they came back even stronger this season, mm-hmm. strung it together wins, some of them not so we not as easy as others, but to finish off with a league title was certainly impressive. And you know, we kinda thought that league title might spring them into a home playoff game, but mm-hmm. didn't work out that way. So Yeah, not quite they're gonna be at number four Wellesley at three PM Saturday, uh both teams with identical five two records. Um Wellesley look, they play a really tough schedule. Yeah. You can't deny that. You know, their losses are Natick and Walpole, but both those games were within a score. One mm-hmm. of them was a I think a thirty-four, you know, was thirty-four twenty-eight game in overtime. So um there's a good chance I think this game could turn into a shootout as well. And even in the games that Barnaball lost in the beginning of the year, you know, to Braintree, for example, yep. they still put up points. It's just the defense wasn't able to keep up,
1: yeah, and a lot of those games they started out, they fell behind early and right. they couldn't control the game afterwards. The games they've won they've taken control of you right. know, d y they they were really in control of that game the whole time Bridgewater Raynham. They were in control until they turned right. it over on fourth down that they probably should have punted. You right. know, Dartmouth, they controlled start to finish. I
0: think the difference now, for three straight weeks, we've seen the offense get in a rhythm. With yeah. Wins over Durfee, Bridgewater, mm-hmm. Rainham, and then Dartmouth most recently. Absolutely. Um, Ever since that 3-0 win over New Bedford where offense was at a premium. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, You know, Matt Peterkuski has been outstanding this year. I know you just did a story on him this mm-hmm. past Friday. 13 touchdown passes, three rushing TDs this year, thrown for over 1,000 yards. But we've seen the balance in that offense starting to reemerge with Brian Free, Fry. Say his name, Fry, Fry and Jadaro France starting to run pretty well, too. And Connor Baldessaro Baldessar has been reliable as always. So.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, Matt and, and Connor Baldessaro have really, really good chemistry with each other. And Peter Kuski is able to place the ball in spots where only Baldessaro can get to, which is a product of timing uh, and confidence. Yeah, with the running backs, Fry has really kind of emerged as their power back. Jadaro France is more of their shiftier, uh, like, speed back. If you want to try to go around the, the edge, you know, if you want to do an edge run and end around, he's more the guy for that. I think Fry is probably the guy they have a little bit more confidence in. France can get it going, but I haven't seen him do it with, with as much consistency, mm-hmm. whereas Brian Fry can wear down defensive lines. Right.
0: I mean, we don't want to necessarily have the kind of defeatist attitude for Barnes, but, you know, no matter where they go. But, I mean, they got to play. For, they are playing for their lives here, quite literally, mm-hmm. with the playoffs. And I don't think they'll be satisfied with losing in the first round. So I agree. Um, Barnstable again has it's tough going on the road again. I think they would have been better suited in this game at home, but you can't control that right, you know, so. at this point. So uh, just looking at Wellesley real quickly, though, but again, their offense has scored thirty-five points or more in five of their seven games this year. Mm-hmm. Very dynamic, very high-speed offense. Uh, junior quarterback Matt Maona, uh, and senior captain Hugh Callahan, sophomore running back Shiloh White, all these guys are playmakers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Barnesville's defense, we got to give them some credit. I mean, <laughs> they've played really good in stretches this year, Yeah, but they're going to need their best effort yet if they're going to have a chance to win this game.
1: Yeah, I'd look for either Corey Wardwell or Colby Burke. Uh, if they can make a couple of plays on defense, Wardwell is a really good defensive back. He covers passes well. He's had more than – he's had a couple of interceptions, I think, mm-hmm. maybe – three, four, five at this point. Yeah. Burke is more the guy who can get to the quarterback and break up the passing right. game uh, up front. So if they can get going, then the defense really can hold firm.
0: And winner of this game likely will get a, ma- uh, a meeting with number 1 Mansfield, which right. plays Bridgewater Reignam, a team that will beat two weeks ago uh, in the semifinals. So.
1: But BR is the eighth seed, and right. I mean <laughs> – I have a hard time seeing them beating Mansfield. A
0: very good program. Yeah, Mansfield's
1: really good. We can
0: get into that if Barnstable advances next week. Yeah, we'll
1: talk about it that if we have to. Yes. Yeah, so um, um,
0: Division Four, yeah, number six at number three Hopkinton. This is a very interesting game, I think. And and, and again, Nauset showing their toughness against Falmouth last week, showing they're not going to back down against anybody. Right. Um, you know, they hung in for Falmouth for three quarters. You know, you saw Tate, wine and, and uh, Henry Blanchard he caught. Catch touchdown pass, you From know. Bobby Joy, yeah. Both of those guys are really establishing themselves in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And and again, you mentioned guys like Will Van Vleck who have had really big games on the running game. Having that balance on offense is gonna be huge. And I think if Nosset could control the clock here mm-hmm. and um, really get those long grueling drives, they have a shot to win this game.
1: Yeah. The question with Nosset is how are they gonna handle the competition they'll face for however long they make it in the playoffs? You know, you mm-hmm. look at how they got in. So they beat Monomoy, which did not make the playoffs. They mm-hmm. beat Sandwich, which didn't make the playoffs. They beat Wareham, which didn't make the playoffs. And they pulled off the sort of semi-upset against mm-hmm. Marshfield. They only faced two team like real playoff teams. Those were D.Y. and Falmouth, and they lost both. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, the Falmouth game was closer. The D.Y. game was very lopsided. So could Joy and Vleck really step up? Absolutely. But Hopkinton is a much stronger team than most of what they faced. Obviously, mm-hmm. Falmouth is quite good as well. You know, Hopkinton's opponents in the regular season, four of them were five and two teams or more. So, right. Hopkinton has really been tested against tough competition. We'll see how Nossen handles guys who are probably going to be a little faster and hit a little harder than what they're used to. Right,
0: and, and Hopkinton's M.O. has been defense. And it's what got the Hillers to the, I believe, the state semifinals last season. They mm-hmm. didn't go to Gillette, but they came you know, one win away. Um, only allowed eight point six uh, points per game last season. Now it's a little higher this year at eleven, but that's still a really good number.
1: Yeah,
0: and their senior captain Luke, um, De-il, uh,
1: De-il- 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 I Yeah, think, sure. Yeah,
0: we'll go with that. He has a talented defender, but he's really good on the offense. A running back, big physical guy who can move the chains. That's going to be you know a guy that's circled to try mm-hmm. to stop. Oh, and fun fact, he's Lou Marloni's nephew. <laughs> I should say former Cape leaguer Lou exactly. nephew. Exactly. Right? <laughs> um. But, yeah, I mean, it'll certainly be an interesting matchup. We'll see if Nasik can hang, but it is tough on the road, obviously, to go. You know, that's a pretty long ride up there to Hopkinton where the uh, Boston Marathon starts, another fun fact. A lot mm. of fun facts come out of these games. <laughs> um, and uh, Hopkinton's key, too, is on offense, aside from being playoff tested, their quarterback, Ryan Kelleher, is, you know, he's a program guy. You know, he set single-season records last year for passing touchdowns with 26, over 2,000 passing yards. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy to, uh, yeah, to slow him down. But, you know, we'll see. And, oh, by the way, too, I did a little research on this. Their uniforms look a little bit like uh, the U of Miami. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can get some pictures of that. <laughs> so, that's Division 4. Winner of that game's going to get Milton versus Westwood. Um, two very talented teams there as well. Um, we may get to Division 8 now, Yeah, right? let's wrap
1: uh, it up with uh, – we'll – wrap up football with Division 8 and see how far we want to get into other sports. So the first game, the home game, obviously, is Upper Cape. They're the two-seed. They are facing Old Colony for the second straight week. Old Colony is the 7th seed at four and three. That is a Saturday uh, game at noon at Upper Cape uh, in Bourne. So it stinks when you have to play the same team two weeks in a row. Luckily, Upper Cape did just beat Old Colony and, for the most part, was was in control of that one for, for start to finish. So, you know, with uh, Upper Cape, the question is, what are Jazari Salim and Cameron Glover going to do? They've kind of been the offense for most of the year. Obviously, Thomas Zine and Andrew Brightman have also uh, contributed quite a bit. So the question is, can they stop people like, um, you know, can they stop Old Colony? Their defense has been led. Wally Alden's been really good. Anthony uh, Georgopoulos has been really good. they got to beat the Cougars again. And the Cougars were a team that I think thought they could win the the MAC comprehensive, uh I'm sorry, the Mac Vogue's small, but they lost to uh, Upper Cape right. and then uh, Cape Tackle we'll get to in a minute. Yeah,
0: certainly there's a revenge factor here. And a lot of these games, and I mean, it was a very really low scoring game. I think it's really going to come down to field position. Mm-hmm. Who can shorten the field? Because, yeah, again, you know, Salim's a big play guy, but you can't always depend on that against right. a team that knows how to defend and was just preparing for right. just about everything you know how to do. And obviously, you can only play one game at a time. But, you know, it, it does probably feel a little bit like Groundhog Day. Like, hey, didn't we just prepare for this team? Mm-hmm. Like, what else? I mean, you have the film now to look at it, and you got a chance to kind of rectify those mistakes right away. But certainly both teams, both sides are doing the same thing. And really the only way I can, I can relate to this a little bit, you know, when I was playing back in Uxbridge, we played Northbridge on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But then we had to play them, I think, less than a week later in the postseason. Right. <laughs> in, in the playoffs. So it was uh, a little bizarre, you know, kind of preparing for the same thing again. But you know these these guys don't want to go home. They don't want to spoil their chances at a a chance to go to Gillette yet. Which you know that's the carrot on the stick right there for these teams is get to Gillette Stadium and, and make a lifetime memorable experience.
1: Absolutely. So the winner of that game uh, gets the winner of number six St. John Paul uh, at number three Coyle Cassidy. That's also Friday at 7 p.m. game. Both teams are five and two. Uh, you know. Coyle's defense is very strong. They were able to hold Mashpee to 18 points, which is pretty impressive. So, the question is, what is Mike Sackovich going to be able to do in this mm-hmm. game?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I wrote it here, you know, this game could honestly just come down to like two point conversions. We've seen a couple of the games like that this year, you know, with SJP beating Lowell Catholic, what was it, 14 to 12? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, your, that's your ball game right there. Um,. You know he can't do it alone, though. I mean, we saw Jesse Judd get a touchdown run against Austin Prep last week, but mm-hmm. certainly the Lions' momentum, which we saw in the beginning of the season, has tapered off a little bit. And yeah, I think the Lions have to go a little bit back to the drawing board and and figure out you know a new plan of attack because I think in the last two weeks they've been exposed a little bit, and teams are going to be looking at that. You know what what they've been what their weakness has been. So.
1: Yeah, thinking. I mean, Darren Katziff is another guy who's contributed a lot. We might Mm -hmm. see some something more from him than we've seen in the last couple of games. Uh, The last playoff game is another team that's in the playoffs for the first time since this format began in 2013. That's number eight Cape Tech. They are at number one West Bridgewater. That is also a Friday 7 p.m. game. Cape Tech has not been in the playoffs like since 2006 when they had a co-op with Harwich High School. Um, which is now part of Monomoy, basically, uh, mm. and they went to the Eastern Mass Super Bowl that uh, that year. You know, Cape Tech. The question with them is, I, it's West Bridgewater is really good, and they're going to be hard to stop. So, can Zach Higgins make a few plays? Can he get guys like Trevor Castilius, who's a literally a big threat? It's a big guy. Mm-hmm. You know, can they get him the ball and see if West Bridgewater can tackle him? Um, you know, when. West Bridgewater lost to Nantucket, which was their only loss of the year. Nantucket ran it down West Bridgewater's throat. I'm not sure Cape Tech's offense is quite built that way.
0: I mean, it's certainly a plan of attack. And, I mean, look, you have to give Cape Tech credit. You know, when they lost to Upper Cape in that rivalry game, kind of the beginning or middle of the season, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what their chances would be. But they've certainly, if nothing else, they've been resilient. And and just being able to go on the road to the vineyards, a long trip to get over there. Uh, To get that win was great, but again, I I don't think there's really any stopping West Bridgewater's offense, which has been pretty remarkable this Mm -hmm. season. You know, led by running back Christian Keeling, know, he's first in Division Eight with 18 touchdowns, 113 points in in seven games. (laughs) You know, he's uh, certainly certainly a talent to say the least. And the Wildcats have scored more than 33 points in their last three games, so. If they have any chance, I don't think Cape Tech's offense is built Mm -hmm. to score a lot of points. It's just they got to grind it out and somehow find a way on defense to get off the field, three and outs, whatever you can do to to limit drives for West Bridgewater because that's really the only way they stand a fighting chance. Agree. To give up big plays, it's going to be over quickly.
1: Sure. The uh, three non-playoff games, we're not going to talk about them beyond just like a sentence. we got Diamond at Monomoy, Martha's Vineyard is at Fairhaven, and Sandwich is at Greater New Bedford Vogue. All of the uh, the opponents this week are two-win teams. I'd like to see Sandwich get his first win. I think Cam Lopes is playing a lot better now and is maybe close to or back at full strength. He's had He's been part of all five touchdowns, Sandwich has scored over the last two weeks. So it'd be good for him, the Blue Knights, Coach Matt McLean, to just get their first win.
0: Right. Um, and just so this format, so basically if teams lose this week, they go into this non-playoff right, so format. so they still get 10 still regular play season play games. Up until Thanksgiving, obviously. Yeah. And they go from there. So even the teams that lose, their season's not technically over, even right. though it might feel that way. And honestly, as a football player, I don't know how I'd necessarily feel in that system like, well, you can't win a state title, but you can still play. So, right. And that's what's nice about Thanksgiving. It, it's a nice culmination of all that work at the end of the year. Absolutely. Um, so that'll just about do it for football. Again, unless otherwise listed, that upper cape game, I think we forgot to mention was at noon, noon Saturday. Saturday, yeah. They don't play under the lights. They um, don't have lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that'll do it for football. Just eight days left, though, in the regular season for every, every other sport. I know I want to talk a little bit about Girl Sock, and really a wow factor for Sturgis West. Mm-hmm. You got to cover them once yeah. last week. Really put some separation from the rest of the field, not just in the Cape and Islands, but really from just about every other mm-hmm. local team. You know, a 2-1 win over Nantucket, then a 4-0 win over Monomoy, and then a 2-0 win over Radley East. So those are three really quality opponents, mm-hmm. three really big games, and they stepped up in each one. Freshman Kate Donahue with just unbelievable effort <laughs> against She Ma might Nimoy. be the
1: best scorer in the league. I mean, she's, right. she's a potential MVP this year.
0: Yeah, she certainly would seem to get my vote, at least based on these last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just seems like this West team really just seems to out hustle their opponents. Yeah. And and that's something that, you know, teams preach a lot of hard work, but hustle is just as important just to, to try to win every 50 50 ball, like you yeah. said. Um, and in huge to that defense it was only giving up seven goals this year. Yeah. That's a big part of, of that is not letting teams get clean scoring chances, breaking them up. Even if it's just kicking the ball out of bounds, you let the defense recover. Right. You know, and, go from there.
1: and they're very good at that. And they have a very good midfield that can keep some of the pressure off the defense by not letting a lot of balls get through there where the defense has to right. play super well you know, I, Sturgis West is really in a good position to win the league. It's theirs
0: to lose, you know. Yeah,
1: they've got three games left. Cape Tech, which they should be able to easily win um, because Cape Tech has had a, a tough couple of seasons. Uh, and then their other two league games are St. John Paul II and Rising Tide. They won both of their games against those teams earlier in the season by a combined score of 8-1. to one. Yeah. So, I, unless they really have an off game, I think they're looking at... Last
0: week was pretty much the decisive yeah, factor. pretty much. And, um, you know, Monomain and Tuckett are both already in the postseason, so mm-hmm. at least they don't have to worry about it from that regard. But three teams that haven't gotten in are the uh, ACL teams, Nasset, Falmouth, and Sandwich. Yep. Now, I think all three have a shot at getting in, especially Falmouth. They finished with Bourne, Barnstable, and Durfee. Mm-hmm. These are all teams the Clippers have already beaten. And they have a lot of talent, and I'm really excited to see that team hit the postseason. We've seen some talent teams in other sports get to the first round, like girls' across and mm-hmm. get upset. I think there's a lot of carryover there, and sure. I, I don't think they want that to happen again in girls' soccer because yeah. they're certainly too talented to to be a one and done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but they got to get there first, obviously. <laughs> Boys' soccer has re- gotten really interesting. You know, we've seen some teams really turn it on over the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. One of them, especially Upper Cape, you know, four straight without a loss. Three zero and one over that stretch. And that was a team that we might have counted out early, but they've turned things around. Um, I, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Sincata um Bacchier, Sincata. Bacchier, Thank you. Um, he scored the winner, game winner with 12 seconds left against North Fork Aggie on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Really defining moment. That can really – when you get a clutch late goal like that, I think that gets the whole team fired up. And I think Upper Cape can finish strong and, and get into the postseason. They're certainly not out of it um, looking at the standings here. So – Uh, Three games left, Rams have a chance, absolutely. Um, And and then St. John Paul, too, There's won three of the last four. You know, guys like Andrew Cassidy, Colby August have been really great scorers all year. Mm -hmm. Jack Lawson, good in the midfield. Lions could sneak up on some teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about soccer on the Cape, the teams that – it's Nossett and Nantucket, and maybe we'll see what the Vineyard and Sturgesese can do in the playoffs, but Nosset and Nantucket both are – I think they've established right. they're the teams that are probably the small schools the can get
0: interesting, though, that division. Um, they do four, four for soccer, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you never know. who It depends on the matchups. But, yeah, you mentioned Nasset, Nantucket, the Vineyard, Sturgis East, Mashpee Sandwich, Bourne, Monomoy are already in. I mean, that's so a pretty, we're going to have a lot of playoff that's teams. That's going to be a in, lot of playoff games. In
1: all sports, pretty much. We'll look over at field hockey. We're, we're not going to get into this too deeply. Uh, f- uh, the team that's on the bubble right now, the the interesting one is Monomoy. They're 7-6-2. and two. If they can win their game against Nantucket, which I think is next Saturday, but the two sites, the the schedule sites for There's the been schools, some
0: schedule changes, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, they were supposed to play last Saturday and it got postponed because it was – I'm sorry, they were supposed to play Sunday and it got postponed for wind. But they beat Nantucket 4-0 earlier this season. Even if they just get a draw against Nantucket, they'll win the Cape and Islands and get the automatic bid to the playoffs based on that. So – they can either qualify on points or they can just win that Nantucket game, which I think they will, and get in that way. You know, field hockey on the Cape, it's DY, I don't know that I really see them losing before the playoffs start. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's cool about them is just their youth. I mean, they're going to be really good again next year, too. Kayla and Ava McGaffigan are Assuming both... Assuming they
0: stick around. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, which is certainly possible. They they might go to a prep school if they really think that's their option. But Kayla mm-hmm. McGaffigan is a freshman and is the best scorer in the league. Lily Holmes and Abby Hicks are the number two and three scorers, and they are juniors. The goalie, Delaney Gallagher, is also a junior. I mentioned Ava McGaffigan, who's now starting after getting called up, is a freshman. If this team stays together, this team is going to be just as dangerous next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw it was really fun to follow their run last year through the postseason. Mm -hmm. Some really cool classes. I think you covered two games. I covered two games. Yeah. I had their sectional final, then their semifinal against Foxborough. I had their game against Falmouth, and you was... had their state semifinal. All of those were mm-hmm. exciting. I'm pretty, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure those were all one nothing finals.
1: Yeah, uh, Watertown <laughs> definitely was. I, Falmouth was 1-0 or 2 And
0: and then the two games I covered were both one nothing. So, um, but again, you know, it's just going to come down to who's going to be that clutch player, mm-hmm. and Kayla filling in for her older sister sister Anna, wow, I just yep. had a really thick Boston accent there, <laughs> um, has been even uh, even more impressive. She leads the league 19 goals, 6 assists, and, and it has really filled any of that worries of a scoring gap, it has put that to bed easily, so uh, there's a lot of talented teams out there. Again, field hockey is kind of odd that there's only two divisions, so yeah. you get a lot of D2 talent that could probably beat half the teams in Division 1, <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. So it just happens to work out that way. But I think D.Y. is really suited to to get back to the sectional final. And mm-hmm. whatever happens after that is, I think, a lot of gravy for them.
1: Sure. Looking at volleyball, I mean, Barnstable, they, they won the Westboro Tournament. They beat Newton North again. They did lose a set to Newton North. But, you know, they've played Newton North twice in tournament settings and beat them both times. We'll see if or when they meet in the uh, state tournament what happens. I think they're probably on a collision course to meet at some point. Right,
0: and don't leave out Bourne. I mean, Bourne and Barneswell kind of in those sitting and wait positions, like let's get to the tournament already. Yeah. But certainly, you know, Coach Turco and then Coach Mather over at Bourne, they're not going to take their foot off the gas pedal at all. These teams are probably working just as hard every day in practice and because both of them know, hey, we didn't win the last game last season. Yeah, We didn't win the last match, so – there's certainly work to be done in, in unfinished business for both of those programs.
1: Absolutely. And it's not, you know, and it's the players too, who, you know, Riley James, I'm sure that loss stings because right. if they had won that, they had, a, she would add a chance to graduate having won four state titles. So, right. you know, the, the juniors and the sophomores on last year's born team know they didn't play their best in the state championship against, I think it was frontier. Mm-hmm. So they want, they want to show what they can really do right. when they, if they can get to that level.
0: Right. Speaking of bubble teams, though, nice run by Sandwich. You know, improved to 8 and 7 last week, won their last three after losing to DY the week before. Uh, Jenner Buttrick, Sam Carrasse, have been unbelievable leading that squad, but mm-hmm. they've gotten a lot of different contributions, key contributions across the board. I don't really want to go through all of them, yeah. but, you know, Sandwich needs one more win. You know, they have rematches against Silver Lake, St. John Paul, and Nantucket, and Sandwich has uh, beat those last two SJP and Nantucket at least once this year. So mm-hmm. the blue Knights should get through. Um, they have a lot of talent, you know, Garassi, When you have someone who could set the ball that well and really command the offense, that's going to be really key. It's just a matter of getting all the players together. Cause I know some players have been out at certain times. If Sandwich's full squad is out there, I think they have a good chance to, to really beat anyone they go up against.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll see what happens there.
1: And then we've got St. John Paul uh, at Nantucket on Tuesday, which is another really important match Nantucket, uh, they get in uh, to the tournament with a win. St. John Paul has four matches left, so they need to win two of their four to, uh, to get in, uh, no, three of their four, right. They need to go nine and nine. Right. So that's a little tough because they've got Nantucket, Bristol Aggie sandwich and Sturgis West and Bristol Aggie's the only team that they beat this year. So they got to step it up a little bit if, uh, they want to get in.
0: Absolutely. Um, this hits golf and cross country real quickly. So, um, over the weekend, you know, for our second consecutive year, Barnstable guy won the uh, uh, Cape this, Cod High School Golf Championship. Mm-hmm. I was at Willow Bend. So was Tom Bissett, you know, uh, tough day, really windy day. I, mean, I, I don't know if you were out there Friday night, but uh wind was howling and, and uh, you know, shot a four over par, 109 over 27 holes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, besides the kid he played in the Cape Cod mm-hmm. um, National Invite, you know, right. that brought some of the best golfers, actually the best golfers in the state down to, to the Cape. So, mm-hmm. Uh, he's certainly among that field, and he's having a nice season uh, for the Red Raiders.
1: We've uh, got the start of sectionals this week, too. Obviously, the D3 uh, Cape and Island sectional is at Dennis Highlands. That's already going on right now, so if you hurry, you might be able to catch a little of it. <laughs> um, we've also got the start of the D1 and D2 South tournaments. Uh, those are uh, D1 is at South Shore Country Club in Hingham. Um, uh, that's eight thirty a.m. and then the D two uh, Cape and Islands is also is at Eastern Country Club. Uh, yeah. That's a nine a.m. shotgun.
0: D two, I'm especially interested in. You know, we've seen Sandwich and Nosset played each other really well in team mm-hmm. competition this year. Now the teams concept is still there, but now these guys are playing more as individuals too and trying to you know get up their ranking spots. So it'll sure, be really. But I think Nosset
1: wants to go back to the state tournament. Totally,
0: and, and I, I'm really interested to see how both those teams do there because they both had tremendous regular seasons
1: um we'll wrap it up with cross country over the weekend the big thing obviously was the bob mcintyre twilight meet uh, which is one of the largest cross country meets in in the state I, I think it's the biggest i think uh jim Hoare, who runs the tournament who's the dy head girls coach said it's the biggest tournament the uh, track coaches association puts on mm-hmm. uh you know we had some locals uh, do really well um, we had from Martha's Vineyard. The girls they were uh, they placed third as a team in the Division Two race, which was Friday night. Adrian Christie took eighth overall. Catherine Sherry was eleventh overall. Um, I'm sorry,
0: actually, I just typed out wrong. She so was 27th
1: and ah, uh, my bad.
0: And 20 they were twenty 7th, and 28th. Christie's only an eighth grader, so that's okay, what that number sorry. was there. That's my fault. <laughs> ah.
1: <laughs> that's what happens when you do show
0: shoestring show prep there. Um, Cherry is eleventh grader though, but you know, both of them uh, ran okay. really well and, and in a big crowded field, that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Really impressed with Nazis Rachel Pranger. She was fourth overall with an eighteen thirty-five point nine. And then on the boy side, Gnostics Jacob Pearl, six in his race, sixteen oh two. Really getting close to breaking sixteen, which would be a tremendous for accomplishment sure. for the uh in five K that's
1: up. pretty fast. That's yeah. you know, five minutes and change per mile.
0: But um, season's not over yet. You know, this is a nice little kind of celebration to cross country. But now we start to get in some of the more high stakes meets um, coming up. You know, Nauset is going to be competing for the ACL championship on Saturday at the Marshfield Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Marshfield boys obviously have a tremendous cross country track and field program, and uh, Nosset girls though should be favored to win. I think on their end.
1: Yeah, they they pretty much. I mean, they're undefeated. They they handled their business against all of the ACL teams already. Marshfield, a lot of it, it comes down to size. I, mean, I've, I haven't seen their cross-country team, but I covered the ACL track championship a couple of years ago. Marshfield mm-hmm. had their team was two or three times the size of any other team in the ACL, mm-hmm. um, which is why the ACL is kind of breaking up this year and Marshfield is going to go somewhere else because in terms right. of enrollment, it's a huge advantage and competitive advantage for Marshfield because of how many more kids they have.
0: Right, Great. I think I'll just about wrap yeah. it up. Um, if, if you didn't catch this live, you can obviously go to our Cape Cod Times Facebook page, um, or you can also visit our website at capecodtimes.com slash now. Um, you can find all your sports updates, depending on the weather, on uh, Twitter, at um, sports cct, and you can also find me on Twitter at at Steve underscore Derdarian. My last name is D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N.
1: And I'm at Matt Goisman C-C-T, that's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T.